You are listening to The Exchange. I am your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome everybody. Today we are going to be talking about loving the Lord with all your mind. And that scripture comes from Matthew 22, 37. And today I have my very special guest, my UGST professor, Dr. Chris Paris. And he is going to be speaking with us about this subject. And it is my delight to have him here. Dr. Paris, thank you so much for being my guest on The Exchange. I am excited to be diving into this topic with you this morning. Happy to be here, Dr. Lorraine. So before we get started, I wanted just to have you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit more about where you're from, your education, the things that you've studied, um, and and you the things that you teach at Urshan College and Urshan Graduate School. Yeah, I grew up in a small town with no traffic lights in the middle of Kentucky, so it's been a great experience for me to be able to come to a university setting and really in the subject that we're talking about today, kind of free my mind and move beyond, you know, just uh, the small town a kid into newer things. I went to Western Kentucky University where I got a bachelor's in English and religion, did a master's in humanities. I did a stint teaching at a business college before going to Vanderbilt University, earning several degrees, including a doctorate in religion, focusing on the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And so that's mainly what I teach at Urshan College and Urshan Graduate School teach most a lot of bible classes the introduction to the old testament as well as book studies like judges and ezra and nehemiah jonah and amos a variety of those topics books of samuel teach biblical hebrew and then uh, some courses like leadership in the bible that are a little bit more practical and uh, one of my favorites is also world religions i've taught that quite extensively and course, I always have to mention that I do a lot of stuff with comic books, which you very mm-hmm. well know. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of graphic novels and comic books and their connections to religion. Well, with Dr. Paris, I have had you for Old Testament. Um, that was on the UGST side. And I have to say that one of my favorite classes that I've taken at UGST is leadership in the Bible. And we did that J term uh, d- during the June summer, I think it was uh, June of 2018, but just the style and the way that that was put together. So I loved all of my classes at UGST, but that I have to say stands out to be one of my favorite classes. So I definitely have learned so many things from you. And um, I wanted to just talk about, uh, and you do live in St. Louis before I go into this. So you do live in St. Louis. And so you do teach in-person classes. Um, and one of the things that I know that you mentioned is that you were a Bible quizzer. Was it you were a Bible quiz master or your actual Bible quizzer? I was actually a Bible quizzer and then a Bible quiz master. You know, uh, I was, um, since it's been many years ago, I guess I can say it four time all tournament team member for the North American Bible quiz tournament two-time runner-up for Quizzer of the Year. Never could quite win it, so God keeps me humble. And then I was a Bible quiz coordinator in Kentucky, then Ohio, and then Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I remember one time talking to you about, or mentioning this in class, and talking to you about um, how important it was to study the Word of God. And and we're going to talk more about this, but you said, you know, that that's something that you learn not through your education, your formal education, but just because you were a Bible quizzer. And that was something that was just really ingrained in you while studying the Word of God as going through all of it before you even hit college. 
Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, sometimes when I make a comment and I say, well, I don't know if that particular point about the Bible was accurate. Many people are thinking, oh, that's because he has a doctorate. The reality is many times it's because I was a Bible quizzer. I just know the scripture. I know the word. And I was like, well, this is what it actually says. So it's been kind of an interesting thing and the way you can be perceived because you have a doctor people think all the knowledge came from there but there was actually a tremendous amount of knowledge because i had a strong church my wife lydia was actually on the bible quiz team with me for the last three years so we've had that connection and been a great team together and has bible quizzers and then in marriage and then in ministry as well so it's been something that's a strong foundation in my life and encourage you know parents and young people anyone that can get involved in that to do so well, I appreciate you saying that. I definitely wanted to bring that out because I know that there are going to be, and there are parents of Bible quizzers and some of my friends who do Bible quizzing. And so they will appreciate that, that that's kind of where this all started from. Um, so I'm going to go into, I just mentioned um, our the key verse of talking about Matthew 22, 37. And I know that there's Old Testament scripture that starts with that too. The Old Testament one says, love the Lord your God with all your, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I may butch it up. Your heart, your, your heart. Um, and it talks about your might. The one in Deuteronomy says your might, but the one Matthew 22, 37 says, loving the Lord with all your mind. So can you tell us what that means, what that means to you and what you just knowing as uh, if you have studied that, what does that mean? One of the things we have is an interesting dichotomy between mind and heart. So a lot of times when the Old Testament uses the word heart, it, people will talk about it as the seat of the emotions, or they'll prefer to translate it as mind. So you'll see this uh, preference for mind or heart. Personally, I think they're kind of intertwined. If we look back to the ancient Egyptians, they believe the seat of emotion was the heart. And if mm -hmm. we really think about the way our mind and heart works, they kind of go hand in hand. So I'm asking my wife to marry me. And so my heart's beating really fast. There's going to be emotional response. If I got some bad news, my heart's going to sink. I might get a headache. I might feel troubled in my mind. So it's really hard to separate those two out. So mind and heart may go together in a lot of ways. I've seen scholars try to separate them, but I, I just kind of like to think of the physiology of humanity of why those two things might work together. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of the key ways, first of all, to help us understand that verse and, and why we might see mind versus heart in different ways. Okay. So what you're what you mean is that they are they do go together, but they are kind of like you mentioned, one will respond to the other in the example that you're talking about your wife. Like if you are thinking about um, how you are doing something with your emotion, that's automatically going to get your mind, your heart to respond. But you, there's so many emotions that go within the two, the mind and the heart. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, I want to kind of go into this direction. The mind and the heart, they are connected, but also the heart talking about feelings that the heart sometimes feels things and those feelings are deceitful and they're not always true. And what you can rely on more is the mind. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, it's actually Jeremiah who says it, although Proverbs Jeremiah. has a lot about <laughs> a lot about the a lot the heart and mind. Yeah, I think there's a tendency to to focus on that. The heart is a sequel of all the things and desperately wicked, but also think about the mind when God talks about in the flood, you know, before the flood, the imaginations of their heart. We cast mm -hmm. down imaginations in Corinthians because that's a problem. So you, you see, once again, the heart and the mind right. oftentimes described. 
kind of described in similar ways. And so probably when Jeremiah is, is talking about it, he, he may be not just thinking about the seat of emotion, but the mental aspects as well. And, you know, of course, we, we, we often say, get your heart right with God, not get your mind right with God. But, but perhaps your mind needs to be right with God. And then thinking about bringing your, your mind in subjection to Christ and having the mind of Christ would be important. So it's also a mental aspect. And so I think we sometimes want to separate these two things. Scholars want to do it to say, well, the, the heart and the mind are, are different ways of looking at the seat of emotion or the, the rational thinking. We kind of even do this in the church, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, God knows my heart because God, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. And so we have all this, this language that's going on. Uh, but then there's this internal dialogue when we think about the mind. What does it say oftentimes? Well, he said in his heart, well, he was talking to himself. You know, we have mm-hmm. these internal mm-hmm. thoughts once again. So this heart and mind thing uh, works together in an interesting way. Okay. And that does, that does make sense when you look at that in scriptural references, like this thing that you just said, your heart and your mind. So that kind of uh, helps us see that those two are are again, very much together. It's just not like your heart is deceitful, but your mind as well, wicked things and wicked thoughts and things can also um, deceive your mind and can mess up your mind and wrong thinking, bad thinking. I think about counseling and that aspect of like how you can really, the things that you put into your mind um, can also be deceitful to you and can also cause you to stumble and to sin. Um, So I wanted to ask And do you believe that we as Christians understand the importance of loving God with all your mind? And I guess when I mean mind, I want to think of more of like intellect, because as a person who has a PhD, who has studied the word of God, um, do you think that we understand the importance of, yes, loving God with our hearts? When I think about my heart, I think about, and, and this is me separating it, you know, worshiping Lord and praising him, but I know that there's an aspect of like intellect, worshiping God, maybe with my intellect, with my mind. Yeah, I think that they tend to be separated. And the idea is that if you're loving God with your heart, that's that's what's most important. You give your heart to Jesus. You know, you get your heart right with God. The, the language is often heart. But I think we can free our minds to think about uh, mentally serving God. And in what you're talking about in counseling, Dr. Rain, I think is excellent because that is a spiritual discipline to get your mind in the right, right place. And I think one of the ways you can do that is through that aspect of rational thinking. And and we we tend to separate it. And, and, and we've talked about the heart and mind. Let's talk about the spirit and wisdom. How often in scripture do we see, oh, this person had the spirit, but they also had wisdom. Mm, and yes. I see that as the rational. Yes. <laughs> so we, yeah. <laughs> So it's great that everyone has the spirit. Wonderful. Do you also have wisdom? Because I've seen a lot of people. I'm like, I'm not questioning their spirituality. I will question their wisdom, however. <laughs> and that is the truth. I love that you you said that because it is true. We And maybe I have seen in my own experience and as a person, and I'll just throw this out there. Many people know that I am disabled and I am in a wheelchair. And so, um, and this is going in a different direction, but many times people will come up to me and I'm praying at the altar, you know, praying about something completely different, the will of God for my life, you know, just whatever. And somebody will come up to me and start praying for me and God heal her. And I'm just like, that's not really what I was praying about. Um, 
And so, you know, there was that compassion, that heart, that like, I want her to see her healed, but the wisdom of tapping into this spirit and understanding, like, I'm just assuming that she wants to be healed because what I'm seeing, not necessarily because I'm using wisdom and realizing that maybe she has a need because she's a human, (laughs) just like I am. And there might be other things going on in her life other than just what the obvious or what I think is the obvious and what other things are the obvious. But to me, when you're talking about wisdom, um, you know, that's another thing we pray, be led by the spirit, but we also have to use wisdom. And that's kind of like that check and that balance. Absolutely. And it's a great example from your own personal experience of you know, see people and I, I like the the way that you're kind to them, even though because they are well-meaning, but, right. you know, and I think we also get into levels of wisdom and knowledge and the spirit. And I, I think of the old quote, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then someone also said, getting very philosophical about that. Does that mean that ketchup is a smoothie? So, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I I think these things are, I would encourage people to use, to use wisdom and wisdom in itself in the old Testament is not just limited to, you know, academics and and rational thinking. Uh, A lot of wisdom is in the palace. Yes. But it's also at the city gates where the elders of the city meet it's in the home uh, that, you know, we have a lot of wise women in the Bible and wisdom probably is something that is, is taught in the home. So it's, it's not always the halls of academia. There's a lot of common sense that goes on in the home. And in fact, uh, you know, wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs. And, you know, we've got a lot of wisdom that is feminine imagery. And of course the woman of Proverbs 31. So, uh, I, it's not just the academic world. So I, even though I'm coming from that area, I also want to point out that there's a lot of wisdom in other places. And so, and that goes to wisdom and you're absolutely right that people, um, sometimes just don't use wisdom. And like you said, it's not bound to a four-year to your institution. It's just really kind of maybe not letting your emotions rule you, but, kind of checking it in with, I feel this, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you, like you mentioned the the salad, you know, don't put the, uh, you know, the salad with the tomato, you know, it's kind of just using that wisdom of maybe I'm not just going to go, go for every feeling that I feel, even though I feel something. And again, going back to the counseling, somebody may feel something, but it may not be true. You know, somebody walked past me and maybe I felt like I was ignored, but maybe they really just had something on their mind. And maybe there's something else going on in their life that I just, I just missed. And so, you know, jumping the gun and going with my feelings is probably not the best way to um, solve problems or, you know, it's probably not the best thing to go on because it's not reliable. Maybe kind of use the more of the wisdom of like, maybe there's something else going on and kind of thinking about that. Um, So I wanted to also go into, so what are some of the problems of not understanding how um, to love God with your mind? And again, I'm wanting to go to like a more of a a scholarly aspect of that, of, of maybe more like not, when I mean not, understanding how to love God with our minds is we pray and we seek the Lord in prayer, but maybe not feeding our minds with 
the scripture or maybe feeding our minds with things that are not just prayer and worship, but other aspects of worshiping God with our minds, with our intellect. I think we become limited because it can only be a certain thing of, you know, it becomes like these uh, basic ideas, which are important. Oh, I just need to know doctrine. Well, that's great, but let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to bigger things and things like that. I think loving God with your mind can really be illustrated by Jesus when he says, you've heard it said this, but I say to you, he's uh, very much being a rabbi there. This is how rabbis taught, you know, although some say X, I say Y, because a great way to write a thesis Jesus is calling on people to rethink their assumptions. And I think if we don't love God with our minds, we may not rethink our assumptions and we may get caught up in something. And you you can really tell someone has reached a different level. I would give a good example. A couple of weeks ago, my good friend, uh, Sister Laura Payne, who's led music at Urshan, is a fantastic speaker, been friends with their family, her husband, Kevin, for many years. She preached a message on about the favor of God. And many people would have expected her to have said, well, we all have favor with God. And if we pray and fast, we have favor with God. But her take on that whole sermon in the Bible was, yeah, Joseph had favor with God, but he ended up in the prison. A lot of times favor with God can actually get you in trouble. And I thought it was just brilliant because she was using that formula that Jesus used. Well, you may think that favor is like this, but it's actually like this. So if I'm not open to loving God with my mind, then I'm limiting my perspective. That is so true. And I never thought about that that way is that our perspective, our worlds are open, our understanding of how God works. Maybe we think that God works a certain way and yet he doesn't always work how we think he does. And what a great example of Joseph. Yep. He did the will of God. He had favor and there he was in the prison. <laughs> so how is how important is education and studying? We just talked about wisdom and it being something that can be studied in the home. It doesn't necessarily have to come from some for your institution, but how important is education and studying? And is that for everyone? Because, you know, it says to study the show that staff approved and maybe some people think, well, maybe I don't, maybe that's not for me. Maybe I don't need to be, you know, uh, study as much. Maybe I need to focus more on prayer, but how important is education and studying other than what you just mentioned, you know, opening your world? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, I think it's essential. You just mentioned it's mandated study to show yourself approved, search the scriptures for anything you think you have eternal life. So there's a certain um, command to do that and, and, and guard and, and keep the scriptures. But I think it de depends on the individual. I don't think every individual, you know, has to go to a university or college to study it. Right. There can, you know, Jesus is certainly using many practical examples from daily life of a sower went out to sow. There's a lot of wisdom there. So I think it depends on the individual where they want to find this and they should gravitate toward what's works best for them. You know, some people do not like sitting and hearing a lecture. Some people might prefer okay. a discussion. Some people may just like to read quietly in a coffee shop and hope no one disturbs them. I think what's important is finding out who you are. How does your mind work, you know, introvert, extrovert. I do think it's important that we're all doing something. I, I sometimes I see people, uh, they kind of use this as an excuse. Well, you know, uh, I don't, I don't have to study. I don't have to do this. I, I hear people say, you know, they get up and they're like, well, it doesn't really matter how many scriptures you can quote that doesn't save you. And I'm like, agreed, it doesn't save you, <laughs> but it would help you if you knew more of the word of God. Sometimes to me, it seems to be a cop out. And I realize I'm coming from the person who was a Bible school. Uh, Bible quizzer and can quote a lot of scriptures, but 
what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit? He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Now, the disciples had the advantage of walking and talking with Jesus. You and I didn't, but we have the advantage of the word. And if I read the word and study it, then the Holy Spirit can work more effectively in my life because I've educated myself and whatever the word has taught me, it will be brought to my mind and renewed in my mind at the right time. And I think too, well, you're just saying that is it, we talk about in Psalms, um, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so putting the word in your heart that will help you, of course, you have to apply it, you can know it. And then, you know, but the more that you know, the better you'll do. And I think that this is something that I've kind of said in many of my podcast interviews, it's like, when we know better, we do better. But if we don't know better, then we can't do better. Of course, it's our our, our responsibility to apply scriptures. And, and, and I, you know, I can understand what the guy said. It doesn't matter how many scriptures, you know, but if you know a lot of scripture and you understand the word of God, then the more that, you know, then that you can apply and you can make better and make changes and draw closer to the Lord with that. It's like saying, I love food, but I don't want to learn any more recipes. Why wouldn't you? If you really <laughs> right. love food, you're going to want to try different ways of preparing that food. <laughs> And you have things like Pinterest, and I'm thinking about this, you know, all the books that we have on studying the word of God, um, on all the uh, things that we have now on YouTube, the podcasts, all the resources that we have that can help you study the word of God. So why not take advantage of them? Yes. Um, I kind of think of it uh, this way, and I I know know that you had just said, you know, we everybody is called to maybe like a different level of studying, and they have a different style, but I was kind of thinking um, what you mentioned, as long as you're doing something, as long as you're going forward in some direction, like it doesn't have to be a certain type of thing, but as long as you are striving, and you are studying, and you are moving forward, that's what's important. Definitely agreed, and I think we we have, a, we have a lot of people who get up and it's not just educators, but it's preachers get up and say, well, I do this. And they say, you know, I get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray. I'm like, that's not going to work for me. I'm a night owl. So, okay. I, you know, I, I, you know, so I think we take that the, the essentiality, you should be praying, but no, you don't always do it the same, same way that everybody else does. And sometimes we can get the feeling that, oh, I have to do it exactly the way they did it. No, you don't have to get a PhD. You don't have to do this, that, but you should be doing something. That. That is true. As long as there's some kind of studying, um, one of the things that I uh, was thinking about the other day is that the Word of God says study to show their self approved. It doesn't mean to read. It doesn't say. I think about the little kids' song in Sunday school: read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And I mean, that's such a wonderful little thing to tell little kids. But we aren't just instructed to read the Word. It says to study. And so I think about how many times that, and not knocking the bread thing because uh, the uh, Bible reading encourages every, every day, because I've done it and many of us have done that where we read every day, but I want to make it a point not to just read my Bible just for the sake of like checking the box off. Like if I read something, even if it was just one uh, chapter, I wanted to make sure that I studied and all the notes and understood what was going on instead of just reading and not knowing what I'm, what I'm reading. Definitely. Um, so I wanted to ask what are five practical ways that we can strengthen our relationship with God by honoring this scripture um, with our minds? 
Yeah, you know, building off what you just said, I think number one would be read something that's unfamiliar to you. A lot of times we just read the same stuff, right? Read the Old Testament. Well, it's hard to understand. Well, there are a lot of great narratives there. So go back. I, I think uh, we tend to gravitate toward the familiar. That can be problematic. Um, secondly, you know, conduct a, a character or word study. You know, go beyond, okay, I'm just reading this verse or this chapter. One of the things that I've talked to some folks about in preaching is a lot of times we see someone get up and preach and they read one verse and then they are telling a lot of personal stories, which isn't bad. I'm not criticizing that, but uh, sometimes I've walked away that I just hear a sermon or a motivational speech. So there may not always be even in sermons, depending on where we are. And I, my church is very different. My church is very word based, but sometimes I've, I've you know been at special meetings and I'm like, I don't know if I just heard a sermon or a motivational speech. So going more depth in the word. Um, I think we can also uh, be aware of uh, who we personally are. Create a program that works for you. Do you prefer a discussion? Like we were saying earlier, do you prefer just reading? Um, could you uh, get together? Do you have a friend who you can talk uh, things about? And, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, we've got all the positives, kind of the negative ones. I'd say avoid playing Bible roulette. Don't just open up the Bible and read a scripture. And, and you know, there, there we go. If you don't know the context of it, God speak to me. And that's all you're using the Bible for. You, you know, uh, you don't want to open up the, the Bible and say, Lord, what shall I do? Go out and smite thine enemies and take up your sword or something. You don't want to do that. Um, and then finally, just develop a plan you'll consistently follow. I think consistency is good. I mean, can I meet with somebody monthly? Can I, you know, do something weekly? Do I have a plan to do this? That's a that's a very practical way that I'm going to give some time to loving God with my mind. And I would say this also works. Uh, one suggestion I could make specifically is meditate on the word. I found that knowing the word, I can just go through my day thinking about it. You know, I don't even have to schedule something in, in, intentionally. I, I, you know, I think that's good. But there's sometimes that one of the some of the greatest things that God reveals to me are just I'm you know taking a walk and I'm thinking about the word of God. So the Holy Spirit is teaching me. Always be open to that. Okay, those are really great tips to think about. And I like the last one of like really just meditating, just taking something and just really thinking about it and letting it kind of just really take hold in your heart and in your mind in both of them, just kind of just all together, just really intellectually and in your spirit and your prayer. Um, so I wanted to throw this out at you, just wanted to know, just because we've kind of mentioned um, that sometimes there are some sermons that are motivational speaking, or sometimes I hear a lot of times where it's just like a testimony, and there's nothing wrong with testimonies. Testimonies are wonderful. It, they testify of God's goodness. But sometimes I also feel that you come out of there and you're like, wait, what did I hear from the word of God? Um, and so I guess for all of those who are listening, who are maybe preachers, what are some of the pitfalls and that they should avoid? And sometimes you hear a scripture and uh, it's preached. I'm sure you hear this all the time. I think about this. I'm like some of those people who are Bible scholars and they probably hear people preach messages and they, some people don't exactly interpret the scripture right, but they get really great response. Like people are just like, oh, you know, people are just falling out, cheering and all this stuff. What do you say? Like, what goes through your mind? First of all, let me ask this. What goes through your mind when you hear, you know, somebody maybe not preach something correctly? Yeah, I think first of all, uh, you know, before answering that question more specifically is I'm not here to be a critic of other people. So like when I'm sitting there, if someone's blessed, I'm going to like rejoice because 
they are they are blessed you know right. it's kind of like if you you're at a meal and someone said that was the greatest dessert ever and you thought it was the worst dessert uh, i'm not going <laughs> to sit there and, and and tell them that and I'm, I'm not there to be a critic or to criticize other people and i'm sure that those individuals had the best intentions and right I, I, sometimes, you know, we can, as Bible scholars, be reviewed as critics. So that's it's important not not to do that. But it doesn't mean that uh, there is there isn't a standard to be met. And I think the biggest thing that I see is people don't consider the implications of what they preach. They they're, they're so focused on a small area that they don't know the larger picture. I, I've even made mistakes with this because I was like, wow, you didn't consider this bigger idea here. So that is very key, but I think you be humble and you learn from it. And <laughs> there have been times where it's been funny where I just wasn't going to say anything. In fact, my wife and I were, were somewhere just, just visiting and someone preached a sermon and really it was a copy of someone else's sermon to be completely honest. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know this is not, not right or kosher, but I'm, my wife seems to be enjoying it. And this is not the time to talk about it. And then she leans over to me and she said, is that right? I'm like, no. <laughs> and it, and I'm not talking about no, as in the sense of, well, it was a minor area or it was a disagreement. It was just egregiously wrong. In fact, um, you know, this sermon was so popular. My one of my pastors had asked, you know, he wanted to preach it and, and use it. So he said, can you study it out? Will it work? And I just tried everything. I was trying to make it work because it was a great idea, but it couldn't do it. So, um, you know, we've got to to make sure that we're doing what is accurate. But if people are blessed, then I'm going to let them be blessed. And I'm going to try right. to have the right attitude because that's that's working with my mind and, and saying, you know what, I need to have my mind and my heart right with God. And, you know, it's not about me. And we do. We want to move of God in our in our services. We want God to move and. Um, you know, and, and that's important. And, and I do love your attitude of like, I'm not here to be a critic. I just, you know, want people to be blessed. And that's, it's gotta be, I, I imagine sometimes when you hear something, it might be, uh, but then kind of, you know, go mow forward and be like, okay, they had the best intentions, you know, their heart was right. They were honestly trying to seek God. Um, and everybody has probably done it at one time or another, use something incorrectly. So there's a lot of grace that goes with that. But like you said, those moments where you're just like, I know this is a copycat sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Be> very careful. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be like, uh, uh, my my pastor has said something to the ministers, like, just because you hear somebody else say something, maybe you need to check it first. Like, you know, some other person used it as an illustration in their sermon, but maybe you should make sure that that's an actual true story instead of repeating a story that may not be true in the first place. And you just kind of just continue to, you know, repeat it, repeat the truth. Exactly. And it goes back to my my first point about practical ways to love God with your mind. Search for the unfamiliar. If you search for the unfamiliar, then nobody else is going to be preaching that. And you have fresh manna to offer everybody. And I'm not saying that we can't use other people's illustrations, but uh, many times I've found something greater from digging into the word. And, and I'm like other preachers, you know, I've had God inspire me in five to 15 minutes, but to be completely honest, you know, doing what I do, I've had some sermons that were years in the making. I recently preached a couple of sermons uh, the end of last year. And both of them, you know, if I look back at all of the things that it took me to learn to put everything together, it was uh, a, quite an extensive amount of time, an extensive amount of study and wrestling with an issue. So that would be another key thing. If you're really getting to the next level, you're wrestling with the word of God and, and the unfamiliar is something that makes you wrestle more than anything else. Mm -hmm. hmm. 
That is good. One of when Krista Nichols mentioned something to me when she did the podcast on uh, personal spiritual disciplines, and she talked about that she has a notebook of questions that she wants to know, or maybe questions that she doesn't quite understand or wants to ask God. And so she writes those questions down. She has them in a notebook, but that's kind of just reminding me of what you might set just said of like the things that are unknown to you or the things that you wrestle with. And then you dig deep into it and you find it out and you search for it in the word of God and you keep searching until you find the answer. Is that kind yeah, of I think that's meaning? Yeah, I think that's definitely a positive thing because I, I was, I, in fact, actually a teaching the Old Testament class. And we're, we always talk about, you know, the Emmanuel and the prophecy. But then there's always been a big question of what, what did that mean to the people in the eighth century? And so I really started studying that out and came up with a sermon. And then, OK, how can I present this to a church where it makes sense? And so it challenged me on a lot of levels. And it was really a great a revelation of, of of what God was doing. And I learned a lot, but it was because I kept pushing through. And, and I really like Kristen's idea about writing down those ideas. And uh, a lot of times, you know, for teaching a class, it helps me wrestle with it. And another uh, practical way we might think about to learn more about the word is to start teaching it, get involved in a Sunday school class. Some people may be out there, well, I don't know as much about the word. Well, you start, you start teaching a bunch of five-year-olds, you'll learn a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true. You, you teach and then you've got to study and you've got to know what you're, what you're teaching. And so, yes, five-year-olds, even though it seems like a simple thing, that's, that's good practical advice. If you want to know more of the word of God, teach it. Um, So I wanted to ask just some of my closing remarks. What are some of the things that you would like our podcast, our podcast listeners to know about the subject about loving the Lord with your mind, about honoring him with your intellect and with your studying? I think one of the big things is to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, You know, I read a lot of scholars that I don't agree with a lot of what they say, but I'm able to find gold. You know, it's like painting for gold. You, you get a lot of silt, you get a lot of dirt, but then, you know, the light is shining and there there's the gold. So uh, we can tend to be dismissive of others because, oh, well, I, I see they come from a different denomination or a different background and we can't, uh, you know, understand what they're saying, or we don't even want to look at that. I, I think loving God with your mind, taking it to the next level is you separate the wheat from the chaff. You say, okay, I can read this and understand. Okay. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. We may keep saying, I don't agree. Don't agree. And then we're like, Eureka, I found something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really key, you know, because you're, what, what is loving God with your mind? It's being discerning. We oftentimes talk about discernment just with the spirit, but wisdom and knowledge and the spirit are all aspects of discernment. And in thinking about the, the whole aspect of rational thought and the spirit, and it, we, we, we tend to want to separate them, but that's not even how it works in our lives. You know, I mentioned proposing to my wife earlier. Well, there are many rational reasons to marry her. And we're highly compatible. And we've been married uh, 28 and a half years. Uh, but then we can't deny that there's a spark between us two. And so I, I see, you know, the spirit, you know, does both the spirit and wisdom work together. You may see rational reasons and the spirit leads you in a certain way. And uh, a lot of times those things will coalesce. Okay. This is the spirit and wisdom, but I've also seen situations where I've thought a particular way about something and the spirit said, well, don't do that. It makes sense in every other way. And if, if this were just about 
being a regular individual, not somebody who walks with the Lord, then you probably would say this is the best course of action. But the Spirit warns you. You know, you read that in the book of Acts. You know, the, the Spirit would tell them not to go somewhere. The Spirit would tell them to do something. Uh, we have to have be open to that. So I'm not saying just go with your rational thoughts. Sometimes uh, the rational idea doesn't work. And, and we don't know why at the time. There's always a piece of information that we don't have. And then the spirit will say, uh, don't do this. I have had this experience where I thought, well, this is the best course of action. It makes sense. And then, you know, be willing to be checked in your spirit, even if uh, you could make a list where the pros far outweigh the cons. Mm -hmm. And I think of the scripture that says uh, that a true worshiper is much worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's it's that fine balance, like you just mentioned. Okay, um, we use our rationale. We think about these things, but because being Holy Ghost filled people, being people that are led by the spirit, that we also have to understand that if the leading of the spirit is is saying you know don't do this or don't go there that we have to we have to know that that's what's important that we need to be obedient to the spirit of the lord that's within us um even if we don't quite understand what's going on um and then i also kind of wanted to mention too lastly just that uh there are moments i feel and you can speak to this that people will pray you know, we'll pray for like 10 hours and they uh, say that they feel led to do something, but it doesn't match up with the word of God. And so, you know, the word of God is, is our anchor. I feel like that is definitely the anchor that kind of holds us and then work together with the spirit. Absolutely. And I think we're all challenged by, um, misinterpretation. And I think really, if you want to get to a higher spiritual level and be a leader, you have to interpret things correctly. I'll just give a couple of examples here between Saul and David. You know, David kills Goliath and the women start singing, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his ten thousands. And so Saul gets upset. But reality, um, I don't think that the women are criticizing Saul. I think they're thinking about the passage you know, one shall put a thousand to flight, two shall put 10,000 to flight. And they're like, look what Saul did. Now we've got David and we're tri twice as victorious. Unfortunately, David, Saul doesn't know how to interpret things properly because he's in a state where he's not right with God. But look at what David does. A couple of occasions in 1 Samuel 24 and 26, when he is about to kill Saul, his men are like, look, this is the day that God spoke to you. Now, we don't have any scripture that ever says that. They tell him that. Then it's just one man, Abishai, who is one of his trusted men in, in, in chapter 26, are telling them, oh, here, here we go. This is a, Saul has been served up on a silver platter. I'll, I'll kill him with a spear. I won't have to strike twice. And David doesn't allow him to do it because he recognizes this is not what God wants. And those are you know perfect examples of where rationality would seem to have won the day. Mm -hmm. But David is like, you don't touch the Lord's anointed. So he, ha he has to go back to the word. And that's an example of misinterpreting scripture within scripture. Like Saul gets it wrong. David gets it right. If those two individuals have to learn to do it, then we do as well. And so that's going back to the word, going back to the spirit, making sure that uh, we, we know what we're supposed to do. And the, and the word always will take us, take us back. And I would say further, just as a, as a note of caution, when someone tells you they have a word from you, receive it, but also receive it with wisdom. Because, you know, some people may have mot motivations or bias, just like you mentioned, people who pray for you that they're well-intentioned, but they are wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a great leader, Brother Marvin Walker, told me once time, he said, I can confirm the word of God for you, but I can't tell you what to do. And he was very intentional about whenever he shared or felt that the Lord wanted him to say something. And I think we all would be wise to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Paris. This has been very insightful, and I love being able to pick your brain about this. And this is such a much needed topic that I know is going to be a blessing for so many of our listeners. So thank you to all of our listeners on the exchange. God bless you all. Thank you so much again, Dr. Paris. Thank you, Dr. Lorraine. Pleasure to be here.